0: Welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I am Kurt Mackeson, the executive director. And as you know, over the last uh, few weeks, we've been dealing with the aftermath of the COVID-19 or coronavirus uh, health crisis. Uh, NSTA did send out a letter this week to the 50 state governors, as well as Education Secretary, Betsy DeVos, uh, requesting that there be a mandate for states to continue funding school transportation through the end of the coronavirus health crisis. Now, these letters were sent to all 50 state governors, and this information is available. We have a resource page on the NSTA website at yellowbuses.org. One's a COVID-19 advocacy page where you can find a letter to Secretary DeVos, as well as a sample letter to governors to request mandated continuing funding for student transportation. We also do have a COVID-19 resource page. This mainly gives you details about the health crisis surrounding coronavirus, and also the latest information on efforts to stem the spread of this virus. You can find all this material, as I mentioned, at our NST website, which is yellowbuses.org. Yes, and today at the bus stop, we're so pleased to have Senator Todd Young from the great state of Indiana, the Hoosier State. Welcome to the bus stop, Senator
1: Young. Well, it's uh, it's great to stand at the bus stop with you.
0: Great, Uh, I, I mean, in reading your background, you certainly didn't take a traditional path to elected office. So for our listeners, can you highlight your background in the Navy and your
1: admittance to the U.S. Naval Academy? Sure, I'd I'd be happy to. You know, I grew up in a small business uh, family in Central Indiana. My mom's a nurse. Uh, My dad was a traveling salesman, and uh, I went to public school. So, uh, you know, we had a dog, and and I had a couple of uh, brothers and sisters. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is I'm, I'm. pretty much a regular guy with uh, an extraordinary job right now, and and it all started with my admittance to, uh, first, the U.S. Navy. Uh, My hope was that I would ultimately gain admittance to the U.S. Naval Academy. I was able to do so fortuitously after one year and uh, decided to join the United States Marine Corps after graduating from the Naval Academy. Uh, The whole ethic of service and and pride of my country was something that was instilled into me by my family uh, and certainly cemented into my very being uh, when I uh, spent that time in the service. Um, After five years of active duty in the U.S. Marines, I I left uh, service in 2000, and um, I did various... uh, uh, graduate work, uh, as you may have seen from my background. So studied a little bit of business and uh, studied the law. And I've had some great professional opportunities. I was a management consultant, so I'd go into uh, state and local governments and not-for-profits and businesses and and uh, essentially try and advise them how to do more with less. And um, I was a small-town attorney Uh, practicing with my wife and my father-in-law for a couple of years. And then I uh, decided to run for Congress. I still had that burning desire to serve my country and saw an opportunity uh, before me that I couldn't pass up. So I had never run for anything before in my life, with the exception of class treasurer at the U.S. Naval Academy, but that was unopposed. Uh, So this was a big leap for um, someone who had never run for office. But uh, I lucked out. A lot of people helped me out along the way. I uh, spent three terms in the U.S. House, and I'm and, um, in and my first term in the Senate. And I really love working on issues that are important to Hoosiers, which is uh, why I'm so proud to be on this podcast today to uh, discuss some of the legislation we're focused on. Uh, that's great. And we thank you, sir, for your
0: service to our country. Um, now, you're, you're correct. You have a very impressive resume. You have experience in the policy and the military and public and private sector. For you, was this an evolution to run for Congress, or was it a personal change in your focus?
1: Well, you know, I had spent 18 months, uh, almost right when I left the military, working for my home state senator in Washington. Uh, Wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do yet uh, from a professional standpoint. So I had always had an interest, as I said, in public service. Uh, and um, through my studies in and, and government, less so politics. That's never been my primary interest, but um, it, it was while I was in the Senate that uh, I thought that maybe someday I'd run for public office if the opportunity presented itself, and, and I felt like I had acquired the, the uh, professional and personal experiences to actually make a genuine difference in people's lives. And so uh, those two things converged um, uh, after moving back home to Indiana, I uh, felt like I had something to offer uh, the people of Indiana's 9th Congressional District, and I was encouraged to run for public office. And uh, I'm I'm proud of what we've done since we've been up here, really working on concrete issues that, uh, um, you know, are are just begging for answers uh, to help keep our kids safe and and to prepare uh, folks for the future and make sure that everyone can play a meaningful role in uh the 21st century economy
0: yeah and i'm sure there's probably no real answer for this but maybe you can give us a flavor of what a typical day in the life of a u.s senator is like
1: well you uh you are correct in in the sense that there isn't um per se a typical day but um the way i spend my time when i'm back home which is uh roughly half of uh the days of the year Uh, Back home in Indiana, as I spent my time traveling the highways and byways of uh, the Hoosier State, visiting with people where they work and play and live and pray and uh, hearing their needs, their concerns. And that, of course, informs my votes and informs all the different legislative work uh, that I work on and just keeps me incredibly connected to all of my customers. I like to say that the Constitution is my boss, but uh, when it comes right down to it, the people of Indiana are my customers, and um, you keep them happy by figuring out what they want you to work on. And um, so I really uh, enjoy that part of my job, perhaps more than uh, anything else. While I'm in Washington, D.C., Uh, there are a lot of meetings. There are a lot of people from Indiana who come out and want to visit with me personally in Washington. Uh, So uh, a lot of sit-downs with them. We have committee hearings to work on Important issues from transportation safety to national security, uh, to economic uh, um, growth and and education and training issues. All those things are covered in great detail uh, in the course of committee hearings, and then of course we cast votes here uh, at the nation's capital, which is where I'm speaking uh, to you today from.
0: Yeah, and you know that sounds you know so interesting that you're so connected with the. Uh, State that you represent now. As you know, a major focus of the National School Transportation Association, the Stop for School Buses Act of 2019, with you with you sponsoring in the Senate, co-sponsoring it with Senator Gary Peters.
1: Can you tell us why this legislation is so important to you? Absolutely. Um, You know, this is uh, frankly very personal to me because um, some of the people I represent uh, have been very immediately, directly, and tragically impacted uh, by uh, the danger associated with uh, school bus crossings, illegal crossings in particular. Uh, In particular, in in 2018, we had a situation, uh, a great tragedy in Rochester, Indiana, where a driver struck and killed three young siblings. Uh, There was a nine-year-old, Olivia Stahl, and the girl's six-year-old twin half-brothers, Xavier and Mason Engel. Um, There was a fourth student who was injured, uh, 11-year-old Maverick Lowe, all while they were boarding a school bus. And you know, this sort of thing happens on a regular basis. In fact, last April, school bus drivers throughout my state documented every stop arm violation that occurred during uh, just that one day of their morning and afternoon routes. According to the Department of Education, 2,000 530 stop-arm violations occurred. So, um, you know, this is uh, something that uh, I think a lot of parents, uh, you know, are uh, would, would be disturbed if they're aware of these numbers, and, and I'm trying to heighten awareness of it, uh, but this is a, a, a major issue. It's uh, personal to me, frankly. I've got four young children, and uh, I want to make sure that uh, they and their peers stay safe. And uh, so that's why I got involved with this, because uh, the, the parents of Indiana, the people of Indiana want me uh, to help keep our children safe and secure.
0: And then uh, adding to that, last October, you participated in an NSTA school bus technology showcase on Capitol Hill, and we're so pleased that you could join us. So along with the other sponsors of the bill, uh, that are including your colleague from Indiana, uh, Representative Jackie Walorski and Julia Brownlee from California, as well as Senator Peters. Can you give us your impressions on the event and perhaps maybe what you learned that that you didn't know prior to to attending the event?
1: Well, it gave me a a great appreciation for uh, the technology, the uh, countermeasures that have already been developed to help avoid illegal school bus crossings, things that may be uh, purchased uh, at the local level, at the state level, um, some things that, uh, in various capacities, we might be supportive of, uh, here at the federal level moving forward. And to see a live demonstration of these technologies aimed at preventing illegal passing, a, a, of stopped school buses was, was just really helpful. Uh, there's, um, you know, there's nothing like, uh, actually seeing the demonstration in person, uh, you can have it described to you, but um, this uh, this will give me more credibility, I think, moving forward as I talk about this issue. I also think it was important to hold this event during National School Bus Safety Week. Uh, this uh, provided a great opportunity to get some more co-sponsors to our bill and uh, raise awareness more generally of this issue.
0: Yeah, and like I said, we were so pleased. And, and you know, we tried to pull the issue forward and obviously having, you know, all the this- co-sponsors so intimately involved with it was you know good for us in in terms of raising attention now as we move forward senator perhaps you can give the listeners some advice about how they can best support your efforts on the
1: stop act and and what are the things they can do both nationally and locally well i'm i'm really thankful you asked because i suspect every single person uh who's uh, dialed into this podcast Uh, Is is uh, someone who who self selects. Uh, They care deeply about this issue, and and our goal is to get this legislation included in the Senate Commerce Fast Act reauthorization. So the best thing your listeners can do is to contact my colleagues on the Commerce Committee in the United States Senate and ask them to co co sponsor and support this legislation. The more co sponsors we get, the more support that. Uh, is registered through co-sponsorship of our legislation, then uh, the, the much greater likelihood we have uh, of passing this legislation as part of uh, the Senate Commerce FAST Act reauthorization.
0: Well, uh, we appreciate uh, that advice. We appreciate uh, your stewardship of this legislation, uh, nor uh, commitment to you in assisting you in getting this legislation passed. Uh, once again, for the listeners, Senator Todd Young, Republican from the great state of Indiana. Senator Young, thanks so much for joining us at the bus stop.
1: Thanks a so bunch, Kurt. We really appreciate it.